Hi guys, it's Lo, and welcome to a brand new episode of I Love Wellness. We just talk about wellness stuff, if you've never tuned in before, and I have great guests on the show, and I have an amazing guest on today's show. We share the same name. I love that. Uh, Everybody, please welcome Lauren Ash to the show. Hello. Hi. Thank you. Amazing. Um, So Lauren is an actress on the NBC sitcom Superstore, and she also voices the character Scorpia on Shira, which is on Netflix. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. We have a lot to talk about. So much to talk about. Um, I kind of want to just jump right into yeah. it. And for our listeners, Lauren and I were talking about this just before we started recording. But I feel like if you are not in the entertainment industry, if you're not an actress, producer, whatever, and you're just consuming content, if you're consuming TV shows and movies, you have this really glamorous idea of what it means to be an actress in Hollywood. Yeah. And I was on TV so long ago and it was totally different, but it was never glamorous. And so we have a real life actress sitting with us today. (laughs) And so I just kind of want you to get into first and foremost how you became an actor and sort of what that journey for you was like. And then I want you to give us the lowdown on what like it actually means to be on set, to get cast onto a show and to have to deal with the hair, the makeup, the exhaustion, the craft services, food and whatever else comes with it. Cause I have to imagine it really takes a toll on your body. Yeah. So I think what I really want to get to is like, how do you stay sane and well through it all? (laughs) Absolutely. That's a great question. Um, Yeah. You know, this is kind of always what I wanted to do. I was like a little kid when I was seven years old in front of a video camera for the first time. And I was like painfully shy. And then as soon as I had a camera turn on me, I was like a different child. Really? Yeah. My mother was like, it was so bizarre. Like you would never speak. And then the first time you ever were filmed, (laughs) you were doing like a Robin Leach, like lifestyles of the rich and famous impression. It just immediately from a, yeah, from a very young age, I was like, I just want to be a performer. And that's kind of like what I spent my whole childhood and adolescence, teenage years doing. And then I went to theater school and hated it. And so I dropped out after like four months. Mm. And I walked to the Second City, which is an improv and comedy theater and school. And I started taking classes there. And then I ended up working there for many, many years. I toured with them. And then I was on the main stage in Toronto. And then I was on the main stage in Chicago. And then I started a film and TV career. I've worked both uh, up in Canada for many years and then and then got a, got a job down here on a show called Super Fun Night for ABC, which only lasted one season. But, you know, it's one of those things that's interesting because I it was a very slow, long burn for me. You know, a lot of people mm-hmm. when they're very young um, hit big and, and get something. And I am always curious what that experience must be like for sure. those people. Because for me, it was like, again, a much longer road, a much slower burn to get to where I am now. But that's um, probably the experience of most actors is that it is the slow burn it takes a really long time but then you have these you know magical unicorns that are like i got cast in the star of this movie and now you're famous (laughs) yeah yeah exactly it's like i randomly got a star wars film it's like wow that must be insane Uh the pressure um but yeah you know it's it's again coming from my film and tv career in canada there's not a lot of money up there. They don't mm-hmm. put a lot of money into things. Uh, Canadian TV is not watched by uh, even Canadians. So it's uh, <laughs> there's not a lot of money to be made. Um, but what ends up happening is you end up shooting insanely long hours up there. I mean, like 16, 18 hours on the regular um, for, again, not, not a lot of money. Um, but I remember I was on a sitcom up there 
right before I came to the States and my life was literally getting picked up at five o'clock in the morning, going and shooting until eight o'clock at night, getting driven home and then sleeping, trying to learn my lines in the meantime and then sleeping whatever hours I could get and then getting up and doing it all again. Mm -hmm. And we did this again and again and again. There was another show I was on when I was still performing live every night. So I would get picked up at four or five, shoot until 7 p.m. and then go and do a live stage show for four hours. And it was literally like, (laughs) and I did that. And I, I used to say, I was like I usually have about four days that I can do that and then by the fifth day my voice is gone I am completely I'm a zombie I'm not of use to anybody your brain's just not operating it's just not operating and I think the one thing definitely I I would say is that there is of course this um, perception about the glamour and stuff like that of being an actor being on TV but the reality is is that you you can reach a level of exhaustion because there's always the expectation that you can go further. If you don't learn to sit, set boundaries, which it's very hard to do, I, I don't do it at all, um, you can end up working hours that literally make you end up saying, I, I remember recently I was like, how do I how do I get checked into Cedar sinai for exhaustion? Like, how does that happen? Do I just have to say I'm really tired? Like, you can get to a point where it's so it can become so all-encompassing it, unlike other jobs mm-hmm. I, it, or my my perception of other jobs that it really can take a toll in all all of those different ways um your life doesn't feel like your own like it's your own in a sense it's like i i get up and i go and i do this all day every day for months and months at a time mm-hmm. it becomes a very like certainly again like staying sane is a great a great point to bring up because it's it does start to become that's your life and that's who you are. Somebody asked me once, like, so what do you do for fun? And I was like, <laughs> like what do you mean? Like, it was like, I, I work. Like, that's, I just work. And mm-hmm. it's, it, it does appear when people are seeing, you know, pictures of you online or on social media and you're at a, a, a movie premiere or doing some fun event or you've done some photo shoot and it's like, oh, that's so cool. And it is, it is really cool. But also, I also sat in hair and makeup for probably two and a half hours before going there. I probably had to work a day before that. There might have been press that I've had to do on that day as well. So it's like, yeah, it's cool. The perks are really cool. But but what's the alternative? The alternative is that then on Saturday, I sleep for 12 hours. Right. You know? Um. So how do you have a personal life? <laughs> I, honestly, it's really hard. Do you have a relationship? Do you spend time with friends? It just, it seems to be this all encompassing thing. Yeah. And uh, truly, like, how do you find time for yourself? And how do you remain sane through it all? Is is the outcome of it, which is, you know, a beautifully produced show or whatever the experience of being on set and getting to practice your craft, is it worth it? to you it's a great question because you know i admire there's certain people that i know that like have set firm boundaries where Mm. it's like you know i can only work x amount of hours and then i have to go home and be with my family or whatever um it's tough it's it's really tough to try and set those boundaries oh i'm sure especially as a working actress and yeah like robert de niro exactly you know what i mean exactly you kind of just got to show up and be available yeah and you don't want to be difficult and you don't Mm want to you know you want to you i also am the person that's like we're all only one step away from the chicken suit. You know what I mean? Like, it's like tomorrow it could all fall apart and I'm going to be like spinning signs on the corner, getting people to come to El Pollo Loco. You know, Mm -hmm. like it's, it's your, you, it could all go away tomorrow, which I know is like also a scarcity mentality that probably doesn't help anything, but it's that like drive that it's like, I got to take advantage of this now while I can. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, having a social life is hard. You know, it's, it's, it's a lot of like trying to, 
set in plans where you can having to cancel last minute having a relationship is hard it's it's a tough thing for for certainly any partners that i've had over the years it's tough because it's again like it's like you're in a relationship with your job um and again there's cool things that we get to go do cool things and go to you know fun events and stuff like that but the day-to-day you know my my current boyfriend always laughs when i come home from work because he's like what movie do you want me to put on for you to fall asleep to it's like i fall asleep when i've been home for 10 minutes like i come home i eat and i sleep like that's it um so it's 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 tough it's tough to kind of like carve out that time and 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 really try and prioritize and that's something that i've been trying to do more over the past year is trying to prioritize that other stuff because eventually it's like if you work and do nothing else one day you're going to wake up and be like what have i done well that's when you decide to like move to an island yeah i mean (laughs) yeah 100 (laughs) percent. which interestingly a lot of people are doing that a lot of people are going off the grid because they've just had enough of new york and la or wherever and they've worked really hard for more than a decade and they've done the grind and they just come to the discovery that they're done at least for a little while yeah i read articles in every publication every day you know the other day i think it was the new york times or new york magazine and it was a couple from brooklyn and they both had these like great jobs and whatever and they moved to the big island last year and now they like live aloha and they love it they're like we're never coming back i love that this is it that sounds like a dream to me. <laughs> dream. Yeah. There's another woman that I follow on Instagram, Kelly Fromel, and I met her a few times when she was living in New York and her and her boyfriend moved to Oaxaca a couple years ago oh, and they wow. live in Oaxaca and I follow her on Instagram and I just am so envious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's in painting in her garden and, you know, going to farmer's markets with the locals. And I just think, fuck, I want to do that. Yeah. Um, you know, I often say, I'm like, when you hear the stories of like a lawyer or a doctor that's worked for so hard, so mm-hmm. long and so hard, and then they gave it all up to open a tea room, we're like, what a hero. But when it's an actor who would, if, if an actor chose, I'm going to give it all up and open a tea room and be like, oh, got too hard for you, huh? <laughs> like, I feel like there's that like that weird, interesting. you know what I I mean like it's like when it's when it's a corporate job and you quit and you do something else it's like what a brave bold choice but I feel like for it for an actor to be like I'm gonna dip out Mm -hmm. of this whole thing and do something else it's like oh yeah too much pressure huh yeah but I mean I think that strikes home the point that we're trying to make is that your career is particularly trying not just of your mind um, but of your body as well yeah I mean that talking about working 16 80 18 hour days every single single day there's no way that you by the end of it you're not physically exhausted i know even just when recording these podcasts and i have to be fully focused on somebody after doing three of them in a day i'm exhausted yeah because so much brain power goes into it and so you know the brain power that you have to um impart because of you know knowing your roles and bringing the emotion and doing all the stuff and then in addition to the physicality of it yeah i you're totally right. Like, why don't we acknowledge actors and actors in the same way? It's like, oh, you know, you like work on Wall Street. It's it's tough work. Yeah. So I guess my question is, and I keep asking you the same question, <laughs> how do you do it? I mean, do you work for months at a time and then you take months off and you find some inner peace? That's the ideal. And like time to go to yoga. That's or, how it's. That, <laughs> what does it work? What does it look like for you? Well, you know what's interesting is I really tried to prioritize during kind of the the, the filming of my last season of the show. I was like, I have to prioritize myself. I have to start you know, taking care of my body more and stuff like that. And what's funny is I started working out with a personal trainer who's a friend of mine, and 
it's tough because it would inevitably be like in my backyard at like 10 o'clock at night because yeah. that's when I can carve out the time. Um, but what ended up happening is because I have PCOS, polycystic mm-hmm. ovary syndrome. Yeah, which we're going to talk about more later. Totally. My body started to bloat. So the joke was, is that it was like I was making the effort. I was setting the appointments. I was meeting with her at least twice a week. I was working out at least once or twice more on my own in a week. Again, it was usually late at night. And then I started looking bigger. And I was like, what's the point? (laughs) Like, it just becomes like, it becomes like crazy making when it's like, I'm trying to do this to take care of myself. And also because I also have an obligation. Mm -hmm. There's there, you sign a contract that you have to stay within a certain weight range. You sign a contract that your hair has to look a certain way and you know, all of those things. So yeah, it, it was in trying to do that again while I was working, it felt like I was just like two steps forward, three steps back. Mm. Um, in, traditionally, we shoot March uh, or excuse me, like uh, uh, beginning of August to end of March is kind of our year. And we'll have weeks off in the middle, but then they're not really weeks off because we have to go do press trips and <laughs> different events and stuff yeah. like that. And then the summer, it's like, okay, you've got a break. But then it's like, well, you got to try and get a movie. You got to try and get a guest star. You got to, you know, go. You're out at auditions every day. Exactly. You're auditioning, you're grinding. So it's different. And maybe you don't have the early mornings that you did when you're, you know, um, in production. But I can imagine the summer is even more stressful than the other time of year because you're just so worried about getting your next job. Right. And keeping relevant and staying afloat and doing all that's expected of you. And things are inevitably last minute. So it'll be like, hey, for me, for example, this year I was like, I've carved out 10 days. I'm going to go to the big island. I'm going to go to Hawaii Mm -hmm. for the first time in my life. And it was like, oh, you got to go to Upfronts in New York. So I had to cut, cut it in half. I was there for four days, which was amazing. But it wasn't, it didn't feel like it was that real kind of break that real like regenerative moment for yourself exactly i feel like people need two weeks once they've gone through something that's like so overwhelming yes a week isn't enough you need two weeks whether it's even just you stay at home and you just you know chill out and get exercise and cook for yourself or a vacation to really sort of like realign their body and mind and they're really well rested you know and they're ready for the next challenge totally um so you must really love acting (laughs) (laughs) i do you know it's being on a show we're going into our fifth season and people really love it and and people really reach out to me on social media or if they see me in person Mm -hmm. and tell me about how our show has like made them laugh in a hard time in their life or you know they're going through something but this was levity for them and it sounds very like cheesy and pretentious but truthfully it's like when you see that that making someone laugh is is impacting them in a certain way Mm -hmm. it it does seem like a very special thing it's something that not a lot of actors necessarily get a chance to do in their lifetime so being able to be on that platform um and have that reach and and feel like you're maybe making somebody's day better Mm -hmm. i mean that's a that's a pretty powerful exciting thing funny story my my boyfriend and i were laying in bed the other day and we're both ceos and run these companies and generally we have a lot of stressful things on our plate yeah and we started laughing about something and i can't remember what but we laughed for five minutes and it was like hysterical 
like church giggles laughing you can't yeah, stop yeah. and we had we realized that we had not laughed in so long and how good we felt just yeah. from laughing and like feeling this overwhelming f- sensation of like joy in our bodies and so thank you for that like thank you for doing that for people because just when you said that I was like yeah laughter really does heal like laughter does. does change your perspective it does make your day better it does because we literally laughed and like the, just our day shifted you know what i mean it's so true it's such a simple thing but it's it's really really true and we we laugh a lot at work i I'm think that's sure. probably one of the things that that does keep it going or does is uh-huh. is is being able to go to work with people that you general genuinely get along with and like who genuinely make you laugh and mm-hmm. getting to you know laugh for a per- large percentage of your day that does it's a it's a gift yeah yeah absolutely um so you mentioned pcos yeah I would love to talk more about that. Yeah. I think um, there's such a lack of information about PCOS and people that have it have no idea that they have it. They have no idea how to get treatment, um, the symptoms they should be looking for. So um, tell me about that. And PCOS is polycystic ovarian syndrome right. for any listener um, who is unfamiliar. So I'm very curious to hear your your story with that. Yeah. I also have it. Oh, wow. Great. So here we go. Let's get into it. (laughs) It's so amazing to meet someone else that has it, though. I feel like they're automatically you've got this like shorthand where it's like, oh, you're like, how'd you feel this? Yeah, exactly. How you doing? (laughs) How's how's the stabbing in your uh, lower region going? Uh Um, Oh, man. Uh, Like almost took me to to the hospital the other month. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I you know, it's funny. I look back now and when I was in my early 20s, I had this crazy pain in my right ovary, like took me to my knees on the floor and they did some, and they were like, oh, you must've had an ovarian cyst that burst. Mm -hmm. Oh, well. And then literally there was kind of no follow-up. Now, again, this was (laughs) not to age myself, but this was like 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. So I didn't really think anything more of it. I thought it was just an anomaly. I'd never heard anything about whether this was an issue or whatever. And also I didn't think to look into it more. And so when I was in my early 30s, so, you know, a few years later, I gained 30 pounds in six months. Mm. And I had always had hormonal acne, which, again, this never, the doctors never made any sort of connection that the, with the cyst, the ovarian cyst, and with the acne, which is, again, upsetting because feasibly I could have gotten treatment sooner. Sure. But, yeah, I gained 30 pounds in six months. I went to see, I was new to L.A. I went to see a doctor, and he was like, well, you're over 30. Your metabolism has just slowed down. So you need to just exercise more and eat less. And I was like, you know, cool. Uh, yeah, cool, 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 cool story, man. Cool. But I was like, I don't know that that's true. I don't feel like it's normal when I hadn't. Ch- it's not like I had gone on su- changed my habits so greatly that I, biologically, I'm like scientifically, the numbers don't add up. In order to gain thirty pounds, you have to be eating a lot of calories, and I'm like, I don't feel like I've changed anything in yeah. my. So I started exercising like crazy and I started sticking to like a very balanced but strict diet and Mm -hmm. I kept gaining weight Mm. and that was when I really started to like mentally spiral with the whole thing because it made no sense I was like it does again if I'm depleting you know I could sit down and write out the numbers if I'm depleting this amount and I'm eating this amount it doesn't make sense that I'm putting on weight the numbers don't add up yeah um and so it was I was basically just kind of circling the drain about the whole thing. And then I saw my dermato- a new dermatologist about my acne. And she was like, have you ever been tested for PCOS? I was like, no. And she's like, I'm pretty sure you have PCOS. And she mm-hmm. referred me to a gynecologist 
who uh, heard my story was like, I'm pretty sure it did an ultrasound. And then I literally saw my little ovaries that were like covered in all these cysts, like little pearl necklaces yeah. around both of them. And so what was great was that then I started to get uh, treatment. I started, I was prescribed metformin, which many women are. I was also diagnosed as pre-diabetic because I had put on so much weight at that point. Um, I'd been on spironolactone for years for my acne already, which again, I just don't know how they didn't put that together, but regardless. Mm -hmm. Um, But unfortunately, what started to happen was two things. One, they were like, you have to go on birth control to regulate your cycle so that you won't have cysts build up. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I've always not felt great on birth control, which spoiler alert, I, I don't know why people are shocked that when you have a hormonal disorder that putting a synthetic hormone in your body may not make you feel great. Mm-hmm. Feels like a kind of a no brainer. Um, so the alternative was, why don't we put you on progesterone for a week, a month to make sure your cycle comes? It won't make you feel as crazy as you normally do on the birth control pill. And I trusted them. I was like, okay, like, what do I do? Know? I, I don't know. And what ended up happening was because it was such a concentrated high dose, I ended up becoming wildly depressed. Those weeks, there was a summer where I, I had to take it once a month for about three or four months. And by the end of the summer, I was literally like laying in bed, sobbing, going, I just want to die. How do, how am I going to kill myself? What am I going to do about the dog? Who am I going to like, do I write a note? Like literally like planning this out. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, I have to try and take control of my own life and my own body. Because I feel like, again, unfortunately, healthcare professionals quite often aren't necessarily they don't necessarily have the resources there isn't a lot of research that's been done about pcos so they're going by the the best information that they have which unfortunately is just not there's lots of women i've learned since that have had the same experience that i have Mm -hmm. um then long story short too late i ended up having a giant cyst on my right ovary and then another one and it got they got so big that i had to have a surgery in which they found another cyst behind it Uh, and I had had my appendix burst when I was a kid. So there was a lot of scar tissue and she, Mm -hmm. and my doctor literally said to me afterwards, she's like, wow, you must've been living in a lot of pain every day. You're like, like, yeah, thanks for listening to me. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I've said that. I've said Uh that so many times to so many doctors. Mm -hmm. Um, and then unfortunately six months later it came back and I had another two giant cysts and I had to have a second surgery. Um, now, keeping so in this mind, sounds very severe for you. Very it hasn't severe. Been this severe for me. Yeah, it's and I mean, it's all on a spectrum, you know. Yeah. And and I can have periods of time where I have no symptoms and I'm yeah. totally fine. And then all of a sudden, you know, I was I was at the gynecologist last week, and there's another five centimeter cyst on the same ovary. Wow. Um, which is again, it's just it feels like it's like man, it's it's just such an uphill battle. So, have you taken the birth control, and has it helped you, or did it make you feel crazy? I I have not taken it. I I it made mm-hmm. me feel so crazy for so long and spiraling so badly that I've tried. I'm trying now a lot of other supplements. There's um, inositol, which is one that a lot of women have had success with. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm doing acupuncture, like super <laughs> regularly. Sure, I've had it twice this week, for example. Like just trying to do anything else holistically to kind of support trying to do dietary changes all of those things Mm -hmm. to try and avoid a having to take the birth control pill and b having to have another surgery because the others to tie back to our original conversation here i had to go to work five days after i had my surgery oh my god nightmare my doctor told me to take six weeks off i laughed i was like are you kidding i don't have a job where i can take six weeks off oh man it doesn't exist i was back at work five days later hobbling around hobbling like out of my mind in a ton of pain and i'm sure told you told people like oh yeah i had a sister and they're like what like (laughs) what do you mean (laughs) totally or the other thing i always get is people like oh yeah no my my sister-in-law had that yeah and it's kind of this like no big 
big deal. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it is a big deal. Like I literally had major surgery. I had my like, body cut into, yeah. you know? And mm-hmm. it's, it's, I feel like there's such a laissez-faire attitude in general about female disorders in general, but certainly reproductive stuff. It's like, people don't want to talk about it. They feel weird. It's like a, you know, oh, we talk about it all. I love lessons. <laughs> that's why, I, that's why I love this. <laughs> Why we exist. Yes. Thank God. But it's great. And I, I think that's so important because, again, there's so many women that don't have any knowledge that they could even have this, for example, because yeah. it's just there's just not information out there. Yeah. So um, my experience with it, I was getting really bad cysts. And it's funny because my whole life I've always been really bloated, especially when it's hormonal. It's like I, you know, it's like a 10 plus pound change in my body oh, that wow. you can see. It's like I just feel awful and I've always had really bad PMS but it's gotten much more severe in the past couple years to the point the doctor's like you have PMDD and like you should probably be taking like a little antidepressant like for these 10 days of your cycle or whatever and I remember um a a few years ago my cysts were so bad that I was literally doubled over in the shower and like could not move and there were other times where I truly thought I I'm pretty confident that this is a cyst, but mom, I might need you to take me to the hospital because maybe it's my appendix because the pain is that severe. Totally. And it's completely debilitating. And even when you don't have a cyst, just the the cramping is so bad and so irregular and so severe that you feel like a bolt of lightning is going through your body. Yeah. Can literally make you fall down to your knees. Yeah. And so I started seeing a hormone doctor a couple of years ago who put me on super, super low dose metformin, yeah. um, which is interesting and, and not necessarily controversial, but just sort of her theory behind it is that if you take a really low, low dose of metformin, it helps you with a PCOS, but it's not so much that you, um, you know, gain a bunch of weight or, you know, like have all of these changes. So that worked well for me for a time. Um, But I actually did start taking the birth control pill um, because my cysts were so bad. And I do have to say that when I started taking it, my problems went away. Yeah. I did develop really bad PMDD, which I'm like treating and working on. um, But the birth control pills really did help me so, so much. Um, And so, yeah, do I wish that there was sort of some sort of like natural alternative that I could take every day that like would fix my body? Yeah, of course. But, um, you know, some of the products that we've developed at Love Wellness have specifically been because I have PCOS and I have all these weird side effects. Like we have bye-bye bloat because like I get so bloated. It is absolutely insane. And this product genuinely helps me feel better. And then we have mood pills also, which is for depression and for PMDD because there's this ingredient in it called um, organic chastberry which has been studied and has been proven to help sort of reduce the side effects of PMDD and so I take it and I feel you know better when I take it but you know part of the reason why love wellness exists is because women are suffering in silence with all of these things and we're not talking about it enough there's not enough information out there I think about sex education in the United States. And let's use this as an example. And we we probably have like 30 minutes or 60 minutes of sex education in America. But 
men and women in this country don't get a course on reproductive health and how their bodies from a biological perspective actually works outside of like, hey guys, like don't have sex or this is how babies are made. Yeah. It's like, here's how your cervix works. Here's how your ovaries work. Like you, you just get so little information about it that you're not equipped to take care of your body in a meaningful way. And so you go to the drugstore when you have a problem and you buy something that like is totally whack. And yeah. you know, you get into this spiral cycle and then you go to the doctor and they put you on all these antibiotics and all these antifungals. And yep. it's just so hard to get out of that cycle. And so, you know, when I was not well a few years ago, in addition to the PCOS, I had bad depression, anxiety. I had all of these vitamin deficiencies and I was at the OBGYN constantly. Yeah. And it wasn't until finally an amazing OBGYN was like, we need to get you off of all of this pharmaceutical stuff and we need to um, heal your body with homeopathic um, treatments. And when I made that switch, I like immediately got better. Yeah. It was crazy. And um, I, I would get yeast infections all the time. I think I'm just like sen- sensitive. But, no, I'm this, I have um, the same, I have the same. It's like everybody issue. has something. They either get UTIs all the time yeah. or they get yeast infections all the time or yeah. they get BV all the time. Yeah. It's like, pick you pick one. Yeah. <laughs> um, and my doctor finally, after, you know, probably like 20 rounds of diflucan was finally like, let's try something old school. And I was like, okay, literally anything, please. And she prescribed me boric acid suppositories. And boric acid is something that you can get pharmaceutical grade, like over the shelf. And there were these women who were online who were making boric acid suppositories, like in these like funny chat rooms and forums. And the, the cool thing about boric acid is that it relieves yeast infections and BV and it treats fungus that is not targeted by like a monostat or by like a diflucan. Uh-huh. And so I was one of those women that was having these chronic problems. And finally, when I was started using boric acid, I was like, oh my God, I'm literally cured. This has changed my life. But they're really hard to get, or they were really hard to get because now we make a product that is a boric acid suppository which is available over the counter but back then you had to take your prescription from your doctor who's like already not super excited about giving you this prescription that like they don't normally write right and you have to take it to the compounding pharmacy and then you have to get the suppository made which can take days by the way and it's really expensive and by then you're like on day four of your yeast infection and you want to die yeah and then you finally get them and you start using them and like within hours you feel better. It's like such a game changer. And when I started the business, I was like, why doesn't this product exist? Like literally, why is this only available through a prescription? Or ladies are literally buying like vegetable um, capsules and like putting boric acid in them and like putting them in their vaginas, like making suppositories at home. Yeah. And I was like, this is a product that should be available for all women everywhere at a reasonable price point. So sorry, I totally went off on a tangent. No, I love it. I just love vagina stuff. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> I own a vagina business. And, and Not I, a vagina I'm, business, but a women's personal care business. Sure. But listen, it is a vagina business and thank God for it because I have had so many, you know, I talk all the time. I'm like, you know, if I have to have one more doctor or one more person in my vagina, it's like, (laughs) do you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, I remember there's weeks where I've had like eight people in my vagina that week and having like something 
else available to mm-hmm. maybe you know allow you to have again autonomy over your own body and not have to yeah. constantly be proving that you have a yeast infection or be proving yeah. that there's something actually wrong with you to x y and z doctors i think is like wildly important and also it's such a game changer for for all women yeah totally but i think specifically when it comes to pcos there's so many symptoms that are involved here that are sort of these vague symptoms yes. that don't necessarily point in one direction or another it's like you said it's like it's the fatigue it's the acne it's the bloating obviously it's the cysts but I feel like you have to be such an advocate for your own health to even be able to come to a diagnosis from a medical professional yes and that you could pull your hair out seeing 10 different people before finally somebody helps you you know what I mean otherwise it's just like oh it's your period or oh it's hormonal and it's like no I know in my body that this is more than what is normal. Totally. Because everybody, unless you have had an illness, a chronic illness for your life, like I have a comparison from when I was younger, from when I didn't feel like this to now. And it's not just my metabolism changing and getting older. You know what I mean? Like my body is literally telling me that something else is happening. And please pay attention to me, a doctor. Please hear me. Please believe me more than anything else. And, you know, it, it took me so long long through all the th- the stuff that I've been through, you know, to finally reach a place where people are like, okay, yeah, you're right. You yeah. Know, we're going to treat you. I, I actually like, I, I came out with having PCOS on Twitter, like rather randomly one day. Oh, really? I was in like a rage because somebody was talking about thin privilege and that thin privilege doesn't exist and that people who are overweight just choose to be overweight. And that's, that's it, false. It's completely false. And so I just went on this tangent about, you know, it's like, there's lots of medical disorders that cause people to gain weight. And I don't think that, I think that for anybody who's suffering from them, you know, this is like wildly offensive. I have PCOS. I gained all this weight, blah, blah, blah. And then like, I had thousands of women responding to me being Mm -hmm. like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe someone's talking about PCOS. So I started an Instagram page called PCOS sisterhood. And I learned more from the women who connected on that website than I have learned in the, in, I have a great doctor now, but prior to her, so many doctors who had differing minimal education about this disease, about what it is, about how to treat it. Honestly, in a, in the course of two months, so many women had not only validated a lot of the things I was feeling and a lot of the symptoms that I was told, oh no, that's not connected, but it mm-hmm. actually is. Yeah. But also they had so many great tips. Like you're saying, like you found out online about the boric acid. It's like, it's taking, you know, groups of women literally online, which is one of the cool things about the internet, obviously, mm-hmm. is bringing people together. But it's it's so interesting to me that it's like, that's what it's come to, is is, is literally sharing information amongst each other is the, the only way that we've learned to kind of continue to progress and, and push these things. Yeah, absolutely. I, I find... Um that these online communities do really work. They are really effective and women are um, able to find a lot of solutions through them. I guess my question is, and it's something that I even talk to our doctors at Love Wellness about because we have a medical advisory board. I ask them the question all the time. It's like, I'm the patient. I don't know what questions I should be asking you. Like, Great point. You're my doctor. Like, shouldn't you be giving me all of the information and then I can decide what I want to do with it? It's really hard just as a normal person to know what you should be asking because that requires you to do a bunch of research before. Um, and it's you know, it's like, that's my, that's my disconnect. And we talk about it all the time. I'm like, I don't know what I should be asking you. And, you know, 
that's their steward as medical professionals to help guide you and to, you know, help point you in the right direction. But it's difficult. I think it's especially difficult with women's health issues because there's just such a lack of um, research that has been done and clinical information and studies. And like you said, you know, the stuff that has been done, it's like, oh, well, like fatigue's not a side effect of that. I was like, yeah, maybe in one study, but obviously like look at all of these women who are saying right. the same thing. Right. Like, listen to me. It's about being heard and you know, that is something that we try to do at Love Wellness is to give a voice to women um, who, who don't feel like they're being heard. And um, it's just, I just feel really passionate about conversations like this. I talk 100%. to my friends about it all the time. I'm like, why do we always have the same problems and we can't seem to, to figure them out? Absolutely. And, and you know, I, I traveled to Washington earlier this year with a group called PCOS Challenge to talk to senators again to try and there's bills that they're proposing trying to get more research funding for PCOS mm-hmm. because there's so little. And if you look at the actual statistics, it's staggering how little money is going into it and that literally totally. the funding like 12 is, studies. Exactly. And the funding <laughs> is going down. And when w- there was um, some researchers there that we asked, we said, why can, do you have any insight as somebody who's in medical research? Why is it that the studies for PCOS are going down? And they said that when I when we've brought forth two different you know funders or whatever like hey what do you think about this uh, they're like they're you just won't get funded like don't bother taking it to the government because it, they won't fund it go to go to endometriosis or go to uh, you know cervical cancer or go to something else PCOS it's just there's just no money in it there's just they're, like they just won't support it and it's mm-hmm. like that's fundamentally where it has to change is right. at the government level. If it's being brushed off as being a non-disease or a non-issue, then it's going to only get worse as the research continues to decrease. Completely. It'll always be a non-disease or a non-issue. <laughs> right. But when you look at it, too, the connections between PCOS and heart disease, uh, female cancers, diabetes, these are all huge diseases that get millions and millions of dollars from the government and research, which is great. But then one would say, wouldn't it also make sense to fund research for the disease that is the precursor to all of those worse diseases? I mean, I would say yes. <laughs> yes, that makes but that sometimes makes, too much sense. That makes sense to me. <laughs> um, so how do you manage it for yourself on a day-to-day level? I know that you've tried a lot of stuff. Yeah. It's, and what what works for you or what works for you best? Yeah. You know, say. it's been it's been tough as a, again as of recent because I've had this new cyst come back which just feels like awful. It's so like hard. Like stabbing it, in your body. It, exactly. It's like <laughs> You know, when you think about getting stabbed and you think about like a knife penetrating your skin and how Mm -hmm. painful that would be, just imagine that there's like a knife inside your body already, Mm -hmm. just like stabbing your insides. That's the feeling. 100%. That's You verbalized (laughs) it so well. That's exactly it. It's like... Interior stabbing. Yeah, I know. People are always like, what's it like? I'm like, just stabby, just a general stabbiness, Mm -hmm. um, constant stabbing. Um, You know, for me, honestly, it's, it's... trying to relax uh again acupuncture i find has been helpful um hot water bottles which sounds so lame but that's huge in terms of like immediate relief yeah um and then just trying to find what the balance of supplements are um i'm trying a bunch of new ones right now that i'm that i'm you know slowly kind of adding in and then it becomes like all of a sudden you've got like this you know medicine chest of all these different supplements and i'm like but when can i take what and can i mix this with something else and do i need to take this with food do i need to space it out how much water should i be drinking i feel sometimes like i'm literally spending my days just taking supplements it's like there's 85 alarms on my phone and it's trying to stay ahead of it and trying to see what works um which again is all is all part of it um 
I, I don't know what my point to this is, is that, but to, to answer your question, how do you manage it? I, it's like, I, I don't really know yet. It's kind of an ongoing process. Mm-hmm. You know, I only technically got diagnosed three years ago. And since then, again, I've had two surgeries and have been trying again to find different ways. It's tough. Again, exercise for me feels awful. And I know that for some people that have PCOS, it, it, it's the opposite. Um, but I also know there's quite a few of us that it's like, it, it's, it's like walking through sand. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's just takes every ounce of your energy. So for me, working the hours that I do, it feels like, it's like, am I really making this choice? Because I know logically that it's like, there's like these positive benefits to it. But I also know that in the interim, I'm going to be exhausted. It's not fun for me. It feels bad. And then again, what I've found consistently is that it, I, I gain muscle really easily. Mm-hmm. So then I start looking bigger. And then when I take a break from working out, all of a sudden I'm, I've dropped two dress sizes. Mm-hmm. So then it feels like, well, what's the reward? Fuck, I don't know. <laughs> I hate you the know? roller coaster life. Yeah. And then I act out. That's the truth is that I get like petulant. And so then I'm like, well, then I'm going to go and eat ice cream, even though I know that it's going to make me feel terrible. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, I, it's, it's, it's constantly that balance of trying to, you know, reason with yourself about being like a grown up about it, if that makes sense. For me, anyway, about being a grown up about it. That it's like, I can't, like, you can't just like throw a hissy fit and then go eat a bunch of french fries and hope and think you're going to feel better. Yeah, you're definitely not going to feel better. <laughs> it's not, no, it's but not at all. But in some ways, this actually leads us into our next thing. Sometimes doing stuff like that in the moment allows you to feel kind of good or some kind of release. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because we're humans, we can't be perfect all the time. It's just like not biologically coded into us to be perfect all the time. So this actually leads me into my next question for you. Yeah. On the show, we do this thing called Secret Wellness Ritual. Love it. And mine is eating pizza cuz it makes me feel good. Mm-hmm. Um so what is your secret wellness ritual? It's pretty lame, but it would definitely be long baths. Oh. I when I was I I bought a house last year and like my number one thing was that I was like it has to have a giant deep I'm not talking like to your hips I mean I mean to be I need to be immersed in water Mm. (laughs) for me it's it's the only time that a the warm water is probably helping any sort of cis pain I'm in Mm -hmm. and b it forces me because I'm wet and I don't want to drop my phone into the water it forces me to stop and put your phone down and close your eyes and just be for even if it's only for 10 minutes just chill out and stop for a minute and that for me is like the most in my personal life and the craziness and the hours and whatever carving out time to do that i don't do it as much as i would like to but even if it's only once a week that's like the best thing i can find for myself that's the thing i love that well i'm a part of the serious bathers club also oh i love it Sometimes I take two baths a day. <laughs> you know, if I had the time, I would. I mean, there's times that I have, too. Yeah, yeah well, it's like, I wake up really early before anybody else is awake and, like, the world is moving, especially on the weekends. It's so weird. And I will take, like, a 7 a.m. bath on a Saturday oh, morning. Delicious. <laughs> I can't think of anything better, honestly. Oh. so I, nice. I bathe in hotel rooms. When I'm on the road, like, when I go and do press in New York or something like that, again, I'm like, my only request, not to Same. be the diva, is I need to have a bathtub. I can't stand in room without a bathtub. I know. I feel the exact same way. Um, Okay. Then when it just comes to sort of like general health and wellness, your lifestyle, what is the one thing that you cannot live without? Oh, great question. Uh, You'll love this. Baby moisturizer. What? So... (laughs) My skin, I have rosacea, which Uh I think is also connected to the PCOS, even though they like 
they connect acne, but sure. they don't really connect pe- rosacea. I think there's something there. There's but anyway, because I know a lot of other women that have the same problem. But anyway, my skin is so sensitive that literally like I've had makeup artists come and they put on something. They're like, it's totally light. And then I'm like, it's burning. I need to have oh. immediately take this off. Oh, shit. So I literally slather myself in baby moisturizer. It's like the CeraVe brand or whatever yeah. for babies. And it's the only thing that doesn't irritate my skin. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. I yeah. love that. I've tried so many other moisturizers and again, it's like they're greasy or they're oily or my skin breaks out or I, I flush. But the baby moisturizer, man, it's made for those delicate baby bums and it works really well. Okay, I think I'm going <laughs> to go to Dwayne Reed after this. Let me tell you a little something. <laughs> Honestly, it's so light. Like it's, it's, I, it's my, I swear by it. I literally like, I'm con- I go through a bottle a month. Like I wow. bathe in it basically. Dude, yeah. You should try, actually have it here if you want to try. You yeah. Can t- tell Red Wave it burns. I started using this face moisturizer called Egyptian Magic. Oh. Because I read about it online. Like all these beauty editors were like, what's your one product you have to have? And I was in the article and mine was like this Aztec clay mask that you can get for really cheap on Amazon. And this other beauty editor was like Egyptian magic face cream and it comes in a tub and it's a solid. And so you have to like, you know, like scoop it out kind of, and then you put it in your hand and you rub it around and it turns kind of oily. And like, that's the face lotion that I use now. And it's just like six ingredients. It's like beeswax and that's the only thing I can remember, but it's really gentle on your skin and you should try it because yeah. I love it. And since I've been using it, everyone's like, are you reverse aging? I'm like, no, it's Egyptian magic. <laughs> <laughs> I love and it. That's what it is. And a lot of sunscreen. Yeah. I hear you. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, this was so great. So tell our listeners where they can find you, see you. Yeah. Listen, I'm on Superstore. It'll be back in the fall on NBC. You can find me on Instagram at Lauren Elizabeth Ash. I'm on Twitter at Lauren underscore Ash. No synergy between those account names. It's too bad. But uh, there's other Lauren Ashes that got to me, got it ahead of me. Um, and then also PCOS Sisterhood on Instagram is also where anyone who has PCOS can reach out. And okay. it's a great uh, forum for us to connect. Awesome. I'm going to give it a follow and you guys should Please. too. Thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode and we'll chat again next week.